In the bonus room, we continue our discussion, and our focus moves to David and Sarah's teaching ideas and philosophies. So you both now teach at the Royal Irish Academy of Music. And so maybe you could describe what you do and, and how you go about doing it. Sarah started before me, so do you want to start? <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, it was really interesting because I, firstly, I think that when I was appointed to this role before Dave, it was um, probably, I think, especially the first time they appointed someone who was still, you know, playing very much, had a playing career. It's not that they had kind of um, were, were, were slowing down their playing career or had left an orchestral job. So, I mean, I would say in, in my role, what I try to do is to give the students a taste of what the world, the music world is like, the industry, if we call it that, is like now and might be in the future. And to shape the the course and the curriculum and and all all of what we we give them the program and the programs for for bachelors and masters and other courses um, to make sure that what we're we're teaching what they're learning is is really relevant for them in their careers. Um, I think the when I started the academy was quite um, it's a very traditional institution and you know it has a really fantastic traditions, but there's also a lot of of, of room for for new thinking and in a way um, for me. I have really enjoyed also the students being part of that. And I think um, some of their ideas and their opinions have really shaped um, the course. And I mean, my role, I, I combine, um, I have a relatively small class. I have six or seven undergraduate and postgraduate students who are violinists who I teach. And then I also teach performance class as well, and then do some sectional teaching uh, coaching um for orchestra and i direct a small mi mixed instrumental ensemble called uh, ensemble interformer as well which is really exciting so i have a bit of a variety of what i do um there and it's it's a it's a great role for me because especially our director is really very encouraging of um us still not um still playing and still being in the profession as professional um uh, performers as well um which is really great for us because we have the flexibility to do that. And you mentioned that you have a performance class. What exactly is that? So performance class um, is a, uh, it's a, I guess it's a peer learning environment. So it's a group class where, um, and we, we, we've kind of reinvented performance class. I know Dave has, has as well, so I'm sure he'd like to speak about it too. But um, we have a variety of different topics that we look at. So we have things like practice techniques classes. We have, um, performance as in your, your traditional performance class where you're playing with piano and then you're getting feedback from the tutor and also from your peers and that often leads to some really interesting discussion of specific topics or how people apply certain um, suggestions to themselves as well as to the person they're giving feedback to yeah we have loads of Stalin performance classes as well um, which focus on um, kind of performance practice and uh, specific uh, earlier repertoire, the, the contemporary music classes. I mean, uh, we we, but the but the point of this class, I said, I would say, what kind of the the special feature of it is that there's always this peer learning discussion element, which is kind of facilitated by by the tutor, um, which stems from someone standing up and performing, which is um, I think really valuable. And you're the head of of the chamber music program, is that correct? Yeah, I'm head of strings and chamber music as well. So we also have a um, a, a, a growing chamber music program, and we have a two week festival called Chamber Fest 
Dublin as well, which has just taken place in um, a couple of months ago in April. And um, this was an interesting one because this this festival, actually, it, it is the Czech Students' Chamber Music Exams, but we we run it as a as a professional festival with you know with advertising, with with um, marketing, uh, you know, all the, the concerts are streamed. We we really put. Uh, resources into this festival to promote it but it's actually changing these exams and what was really nice this year was we had like these little green room discussions and mini interviews that took place between the players while we were basically cleaning the 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 rooms for covid reasons but but we saw this like backstage and all the students prepared um kind of interviews with each other or little chats which was which was really nice actually and i think a really useful thing and a, a useful real life skill that that they will need in the profession they will need to to interview people and chat to each other and talk to their audience so yeah because that's going to be a more and more important part i'll get to get david in just a second but one of the things that david does uh now that i guess is fairly new to him is is he works with baroque trumpets or natural trumpets as well do you do baroque violin at all me, I, I don't, but we do have a um, historical performance d- department and um, two of my students actually also play Baroque violin. And that's something really interesting because um, with the Baroque violin teacher, we're trying to also develop co-teaching models where, you know, she might she might have maybe 10 hours in the year with um, a violinist in, in whose whose primary uh, study is modern violin and then and then we would also talk to each other I mean this is the aim to also kind of um, be part of a team that kind of is around this student and supports them in their journey and one of my students um, in particular is really really interested in Brock violin she's a great Brock violinist but she also is then playing you know contemporary music and, and standard stuff as well. Wow that's great and so David how long have you been at the academy now? Um, I, I had kind of like a, a, a part-time contract, like three hours teaching, um, even, even while I was in the Ulster Oaks in Belfast and I would have traveled down to, to do my kind of afternoons teaching in Dublin, but, um, I started the full-time role. Um, so it's, it's brass, but a little bit more. So it's, uh, wind, brass and percussion. Um, and so between myself and Sarah, we cover all of the orchestral disciplines. So in, in other conservatoires in Ireland, you might have a head of orchestral studies. So the fact that between us, we've win brass percussion strings means we should be working together, you know. Uh, quite, so it's, which is quite interesting because sometimes I'll be looking at, at certain things in a kind of professional, objective way and thinking, okay, this should go like this. And Sarah, of course, will have her side from strings, which, you know, it's good to, to, talk frankly about these things but uh, my, my role would be would be broadly similar to Sarah's that I, I have um, nine next year I'll have nine students um, across the kind of undergraduate postgraduate um, trumpet side um, and then also this performance class um, for it's a wind and brass performance class each week and and again some of these EUIO links that you know um, former friends and colleagues from EUIO they um, a bassoonist who's that, that would be the camera. European Youth yeah, sorry, sorry yeah. European Union uh, Youth Orchestra, um, okay. friends and colleagues who may, you know, hold positions in, there's a, a bassoonist in Munich Philharmonic um, with, with Gergiev, uh, principal bassoon there, and, you know, he'll be in in September, and then other people that, that we would kind of know and have, have worked with, um, you know, over recent years, they, they would come in as guests. So um, while I might be 
um, directing certain classes. Again, it'd be like, say, with certain weeks, it could be this, you know, performance class where it's somebody stands up and they're playing the piano and they get feedback in particular from their, their peers as well as a tutor who's there. But other weeks you might do kind of mental training classes or resilience classes. You might, um, you know, do something like a mock audition class or just an excerpts class. Um, or so, so it's, it's, it's a kind of catch all in lots of ways that you kind of, you have all of your students in this one place and it's a great opportunity to, to kind of have some of these because as, as we all know like it's playing in front of your peers can be so much more daunting than playing to an audience but it's it's a real kind of baptism of fire especially you come into first year on a on a bachelor program you know you're, you're not you're playing hide and trumpet concerto and you're not used to having nine trumpet players watch you play this all of whom might be in in, in more senior years so you know it's it, if you can do it in front of these nine trumpet players or whatever it's uh okay yeah that's that's a good start so um yeah. So, you know, there, then there's a certain amount of kind of on the administration side, looking, you know, working with the teachers who are often principal players in the, in the different orchestras nationally. Um, but it's, it, it is, it is a really kind of interesting role. And I think, as Sarah said, it's, um, the support of our director, Deborah Geller is, is kind of really key because, you know, if, um, there's a particular project I, I would play regularly now with the Irish Chamber Orchestra where Ewig Vidman is principal conductor and he's such a living, inspiring performer, composer, artist, yeah. person. Um, that, you know, y- you might have a particular week where you go, you say, okay, I need to, I'm going to move my teaching around and we're, uh, you know, re- just before COVID, we were recording uh, Beethoven 7 and Jörg Widman's Con Brio, um, which is kind of being played all over Europe, all over the world at the moment. He's it, kind of answer. It, it's been paired with Beethoven 7 a lot. Um, so it's received so many performances. But it's, I, again, it's one of those things that's really cool in, in a lifetime to record something like Con Brio with Jörg Widman and, and the Irish Chamber Orchestra. And, um, you know, there, there's it's it's great to be able to to combine the the kind of role in the academy of music and and also while still being able to be you know you, it's not possible of course to do so many projects and uh, that you know because it of course it's a full-time role but, but what you want to do is still um be uh, it sounds really cheesy but still be striving as an artist or you know as a person as a musician to that, that if you have these projects kind of on the horizon that you go okay well in my practice for this month i know i have this coming up so i can kind of focus in a particular way and it's yeah i it, it's really it's fantastic and one, one of the main things for me is that just constantly being inspired by the students because the things they're thinking about and the things their ideas and their kind of enthusiasm really gives you more of that you know you could go into a certain lesson and you you know it's, it's mid-afternoon and it, you've just had a bite to eat and you don't feel particularly wide awake and a student comes in with a question or a, a playing something in such a way that it kind of really just you know, knocks your socks off and you think, wow, okay, I want to hear more of that. And it, it, it's that constantly being around um, these students who are inspiring and they're inspiring their colleagues. And it's, I just think it's a really, it's a great atmosphere. Um, and, and But like all of these things, they, they can come back to uh, a National Youth Orchestra, European Union Youth Orchestra, Dublin Brass Week, um, Royal Irish Academy of Music, all, all of these things. It's, it's that feeling and that um, just that enthusiasm and kind of love of music and passion that it's, you know, it's, it's wherever you go. Um, I think it's so important that it, you know, a conservator just doesn't become that kind of cliched thing of a crotchet factory and, and, and people can go in and they, you know, they learn how to play their pieces and they walk out the other. It's, it's that journey as a musician, you know, from a, a bachelor beginning to, to an end or a master's program or however, however long the period of study is. Um, and, and I think as, a, as a head of faculty, it's, a 
you, you can really be part of that because you, you're working with all the teachers and, and there's a whole, you know, there's 27 teachers across Windbrass Percussion and there's so many people who are so talented and and have, have so many great things. There's, um, you know, people who are performance psychologists or, and, or they've a, a doctorate in sports psychology. And, the, you know, you've got all of these specialisms. Somebody isn't just a clarinet teacher or a flute teacher or a tuba teacher. They, you know, everyone has different things that they can bring to the role. And it, it's, I, I just think it's great. Obviously in, in, in COVID there's been plenty of challenges, but, um, it's 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 really inspiring between the students and, and the staff to just to have that atmosphere. I feel, you know, it's really interesting just hearing hearing both of you talk about teaching and your passion for it. And also, I mean, it, it's very obvious that that what you've learned from the Dublin Brass Week, your experiences with that, you bring to your teaching too in terms of organization and, and ideas. But I but I just the thought came to my mind that if if you would go one day before you had this glimmer of an idea of starting the Dublin Brass Week. So before it ever popped into your mind, and then fast forward to now and think, was there any way that I would realize that I would end up doing this, you know, that I would be in this place? And and it seems to me like, yeah, you're shaking your head, no, that that um, you've, you've really made it happen, but it went in a really sort of a different direction than maybe you thought your life was going to go. Totally, I think so. And I think that, I think it's more almost Tony something you said earlier that you know the way that the world the music world has moved now is that people aren't on these set journeys anymore you know we have all these routes we have all these possibilities that we can take and we don't have to just pick one thing I think that's it the other thing and I remember um when I uh, when I was offered the job at the academy um I asked uh, David Strange who had been my head of strings at the Royal Academy of Music to be one of my references and um he gave me the advice that, you know, because uh, I was a bit worried. I said, you know, it, it looks like a big contract. I mean, will I have, still have time to practice? And, and, you know, what? And he said to me, you will find that your playing will improve. You'll be a better player than you are now because you will have to be, because you will learn to be more efficient. And you will, the things you will learn being in this job will stand you in good stead as a player. And it was really nice because, I mean, for me, um, because I felt, you know, I really trust him and trust his opinion, and and um, and you know, he was he was really lo- looking out also um, for, for my career as a, a player, also at this point, even though I was moving into this this role in a conservatoire. And I think that he is he was really right there. I think that um, I, I do feel that I wouldn't have learned the things that I have um, as a player had I not had I just continued on on the role I was of, you know, being in the orchestral and chamber music profession. Well, you know, having had so many vastly different experiences um, in your life, musical life, if somebody's listening to this and they're 17, let's say, 16 or 17, thinking of going to a conservatory, would you, this is probably a really cliched uh, question to ask, so excuse me for that, but would you have any sort of suggestion or advice that you would offer to, to a young person? Who wants to go into music? Um, for, <laughs> You're passing it off to yeah. David. <laughs> He's put his hand yeah. up, so I thought I would I, let I him raise, on. I raised my hand. Yeah. I'm very polite. Uh, yeah, I, I think for me, and I hope I'm speaking for Sarah also, I, I, the number one thing for me would always to kind of be curious and always still try to be learning. Um, it's being super keen is will always stand you in good stead. Uh, it's, it's, it's that keenness to that, there's, you know, that, that every single day that you're, you're just trying to get the absolute most out of it. 
uh, that that would be for me just the number one thing to to be curious and always always to seek to be learning every day every moment. And I think with that curiosity to prepare in as in the as much as you can. I think that that this is the best thing for every single thing you do you know to, to really prepare and I think with the, the the artists that I've seen who I really admire and in my own experience as well I mean I I have really felt that preparation is is so necessary you know for, for success basically I mean no, I think nothing comes easily to anyone and I think that this almost Tony, Tony you said earlier I mean this idea that that you know some people are just talented it's just not it's just not true in a way I think everyone has to work really really hard and um I think preparation is key and I mean just thinking about after I left music college and I went into um you know the 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 big scary freelance world and I was freelancing with you know the, the big London orchestras and I was overwhelmed by by the, the the work, by the volume of work, by how every day you know you're playing another concert. I mean, and the thing I found really difficult was I was used to preparing really well, and it was simply impossible to do that as a you know, as a, especially when you're 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 young and you're freelancing, you're getting these kind of quite pretty last minute calls. And and I think in a way that also shaped the path that I took in my career, which is I realized that I didn't I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to play. Three three hundred uh, concerts in a year, like or something crazy. I mean, that's probably unrealistic, but you know, hundreds and hundreds of concerts in 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 a year because it's in, for me it was impossible to prepare to a really high level. And I think that you know, curating your career in the way that's right for you and curating um, the the projects that you choose to take on and to do them to the best of your ability is also really important. Um, one one just one more thing to come in on there. Um. And, and this is something actually that, that we do discuss with the, the students, especially incoming ones. Um, this idea that it's not the same as doing a degree in geography. You know, you, 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 once you start your bachelor's and your one, the way you are as a person, um, you, you know, your level of preparedness, your, your attitude to, to everything, your level of preparation, all of these things are, they're kind of noted. And, and a lot of these teachers are your future colleagues. So it's this idea of 50% the player, 50% the person. And you can be 100% of the player and kind of still be unbookable because if, if, you know, if you're always late or you're really rude or you're just not somebody that people want to sit next to because you, you just, you're, you're not a kind of warm, open, reliable colleague that, that actually it, it's the soft skills that, that music college can, you know, a conservatoire setting that can, that can really teach you that, that it just show you that it's not really all about the playing because actually at the top level, we, you know, if you leave music college and finishing a bachelor or a master's course and, and everybody is a high level, you know, if you call it a professional level, that, that hopefully most most people are leaving with, it, it will come down to, you know, okay, who do I want to sit next to for three days in, in a Mahler symphony? If you've got a trumpet section with three trumpets and and you've got a whatever Mahler symphony and they're thinking, oh, well, that person's great, but do, you know what? I, I don't think I can sit next to them for, so three, like Tony, I, I'd, I'd, look, I, we've, we've spoken so much. I really want to turn the, the kind of mic back on you for this because what, what would your experience be, especially, especially Uh-oh. on this, like as a colleague and a player, like what, what are your thoughts? Uh, am I, am I wrong? Maybe you disagree. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I agree. I mean, I, I think, I think maybe this is coming more into prominence now. When you were talking, I was thinking uh, about Wiff Rudd, and I don't know if you know that name or not. He has a book out uh, called Side by Side about teaching, and he he's such a great teacher. And his idea is having his trumpet studio essentially be like a community 
where they really they really support each other and and I mean he has so many so many great ideas but yeah I think that I think uh, I haven't heard it called what did you call it the soft soft skills, skills? yeah so so if yeah if, if your hard skills, skills yeah. yeah that's a great way of, of yeah, putting your, it. your yeah. hard skills could be your excerpts your sound your all of those things and the soft skills being everything else yeah you know I guess that is like a skill in a way you know I, I think in a way I think in terms of let's say hard skills okay that you have whatever talent you have and that's great but it's not important because skill is something that's different than talent. You develop your talent into a skill or you don't. You know, you could have, let's say you, David, your, your talent level is eight with, with a certain aspect of, of playing, right? And my talent level is five, let's say. But if I work consistently and really smart and you don't work at all, I can get to be a nine. I can get to be better than you, my skill level, even though my talent level is not, not the same. And so, in thinking about it, I think if you're a little bit lacking in the soft skills, um, that's something that you can work on too, you know, but you have to be, a, be aware that, um, I need to work on it just like you'd need to work on your fingering or your bow position or, or whatever, you know, that, that I think for a lot of people like David is with you, it comes naturally, the soft skills. Um, somebody else, it, it may not, you know, and I mean, I, uh, Actually, even doing this podcast, I, 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 uh, I, I realize certain, um, skills that I'm lacking, you know, as, as a person. And, and, you know, I'm working on it, <laughs> you know, it's a work still in progress. So, um, yeah, I, it's the same thing. I think, you know, you, you, you try and learn, you try and be curious every day and, and work on things. I, yeah, I, d I don't think there's anything missing, Tony. And I think the fact that even the fact that you you're reflecting on it means that you're you're already safe. Um, but but it, well, well, I've I've corrected some of them, most of them, or some of them by the time I've gotten to this interview. But I've, I've I have a couple of people who critique me, and and boy, <laughs> I've learned a couple of things. Um, to, just just to just to dig into that a little bit more on the you know you're saying like if somebody's a five and somebody's an eight going back also to Sarah's point about the preparation that that actually nobody care nobody knows and nobody cares you know if you if you Tony let's say you called it a five if you put in forty hours preparation for a particular concert and I put in forty minutes and you sound better like that's your choice to put in that preparation and it's the right call. And, and actually the end result is that, yeah, you're, you're the nine and, and, and it's, it's being aware of that. And then also on the, the soft skill side and, and, you know, you're saying, okay, it's, you know, people are, let, let's say if I'm kind of friendly or, or whatever and I can get on with people, okay, that's fine. But it, a lot of it, that was Eamon Nolan when I was 18 holding the mirror up to me saying, look, you seem, you seem relaxed to the point that you don't care. And actually that wasn't true and it really made me reflect. So, so that was him as a teacher kind of addressing a deficit in my soft skills. And and luckily it was before I started my bachelor's. So it was something I, I kind of had ingrained then. Okay, look, you're here and you're enjoying trumpet and you're kind of giddy and excitable like a child. Brilliant. But but don't let that, don't, don't let people think that you're not serious about your trumpet playing because actually you are. So, you know, I, I, I think I owe Eamon really quite a lot for that because it, that's some, it was a major thing. If I'd gone the whole way through music college and people just didn't take me seriously because I was too too relaxed or too, I, it, I just didn't show the amount that I actually cared about trumpet and, and, and being a musician or, or whatever. So, it, you know, you say, oh, well, you're fine. But it's actually only because somebody pulled me up at, at a really early age and said, hey, you know, maybe this isn't a great approach to being a trumpet player, you know. So yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, it's funny. I, I mean, yeah, sorry to, to interrupt. I, I, I just think of like when I was a student, 
um, at, at UCLA. I went to a junior college my first two years. So when I was a student at UCLA, and so I was doing some freelancing already, you know, and occasionally I'd play extra with the LA Philharmonic. But like a lot of these, like a youth orchestra that I played in, American Youth Symphony, and some of these community symphonies, which were not such great orchestras, but a lot of my friends played played them. And, I mean, thinking of the way things are today as compared to back then, I mean, we were so incredibly immature. And I remember driving to rehearsals thinking, I'm not going to laugh in the rehearsal tonight. I'm not going to do anything tonight, you know. And we would always do stuff, the brass section, you know, that was just <laughs> so immature. And, and, and I, you know, I that's a, a bad example for, for students, you know, but, but, but at the same time, we were just incredibly passionate about, you know, we were always listening, constantly listening to records, buying new records and all that kind of stuff. So we had this, you know, this is almost like a triangle of, of one side of the triangle was this incredible passion, practicing constantly all of that. Another side of the triangle, was humor, and then the third side of the triangle was fear, you know, when the concert would come, when, when it would have to be under pressure. But it was something, it was just our life. I mean, that's just, just what, what we loved, you know, and we had so much fun together. So I guess that is a soft skill, having fun together, even if you're immature about it. Yeah, and I think it's so important in a way to, to, to keep that because, I mean, my... I've had, I mean, some of my experiences in, in professional settings have been, you know, there is sometimes this, this barrier that people present that, you know, it's, you know, they're very professional and it's, it's a job and, and, and they don't, people are hesitant sometimes to, to show themselves, to show their hearts and to show how, how much they, they, so much passion they have. And, and I think that almost, I think, I think it's a good thing for the profession for the professional music world to a little break down that barrier and for musicians to feel that it's okay to show how how um you know how passionate and keen they still are even even after 20 30 years in 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 an orchestra in a, in, a, in a great orchestra i think that it's i think it's a good thing that we retain that and and all the students have it still so i think that's a that's a um, that's been a fantastic thing for me I mean to be to be part of, and I think in a way when you go and you uh, and you teach in a conservatoire, it's almost like you can you feel like a little bit you go back to music college, you know, and you can you know feel inspired all over again and, and uh, without any without these barriers. And I think that's a a really positive thing and and something that we can all sort of take with us into the professional world. Well, this has been great. I, do you guys have any last words or thoughts that you might have? It's just really great to see you. <laughs> yeah, great to see both of you too. Thanks so much, Tony. Yeah, n nothing, nothing, uh, nothing else on our side, I think. Well, you guys have done marvelous work and keep going. Don't stop. Please keep going. Thanks, Tony. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye.